welcome to In Focus, immigration news and updates brought to you by Immigration Solutions. Please be aware that the ideas and information expressed in our our podcast today are strictly informational and not to be interpreted as legal advice. Please feel free to contact our office should, should you like to discuss any specific immigration matter. Well, today our topic is the I-9 Employment Eligibility Form and uh, the revised handbook that was announced by immigration and released on January 12th. Um, Is this a perfect employer handbook? No, by no stretch of the imagination. But it is improved and it has offered some additional guidance on some of the issues that in our practice area our clients bring up most frequently. So we're going to touch upon these today. Um, We're going to start with what has been referred to as the Thursday rule. And if you have your employer handbook handy, this is covered in the revised version on page 3. The handbook states that employers must review the employee's documents and complete Section 2 of the form within three business days of the first day of work for pay, but not including the actual date of hire. So if you hire somebody on Monday, Section 2 needs to be completed by Thursday, and that's how it's come to be known as the Thursday rule. And that is certainly if the employee begins work on Monday. The second issue that comes up quite a bit um, for questioning is clarifying conditional residency, which is covered on page 9 of the revised handbook. Uh, Permanent resident cards with either an expiration date, which would be conditional cards, or no expiration date are considered list A documents that should not be re-verified. An example of the new form I-551 permanent resident card that was released on May 11th of last year, 2010, has been included in the examples of of authorized documents that you can find in this section of the handbook. Another issue that comes up quite a bit uh, with our clients is name changes and how should they be handled on the I-9 form. This is covered in the handbook on page 18. An employer is not required to update the I-9 form when an employee changes their name, but may do so, may choose to do so in Section 3. The new Q&A section instructs that employers may accept a document with a different name than what is entered in Section 1 due to married names and compound names and even misspellings in names. If the documentation presented by the employee reasonably relates to the employee and appears genuine. USCIS further suggests that if the employer is not satisfied that the documents presented appear genuine and relate to the individual, to request, to, to request additional documentation um, in order to make uh, their uh, final determination uh, pertaining to the authenticity of the documents presented. The employer may wish to attach a brief memo to the I-9 detailing the employee's reason for the name discrepancy and also include copies, photocopies of any supporting documentation that the employee chooses to provide. And this is referenced on pages 41 through 42 of the handbook. 
There is also a reminder for government contractors required to comply with FAR E Verify that a name change in the system does trigger the completion of a new I-9 form under the FAR ruling. Okay, to go on to another topic that is brought to our attention rather frequently, that is interruptions in employment. And this is dealt with on page 20 in the manual. The handbook now provides guidance um, whether a new I-9 form is required after an employee has had a brief interruption in employment. The handbook provides examples of continuing employment situations, such as maternity or paternity leave, leaves of absence, transferring from one business unit to another business unit for the same employer, changing job site locations with the same employer. An employer is not required to fill out a new I-9 form in these situations where there is an expectation of continued employment. So that is good to know uh, on uh, the interruption in employment uh, issue. Um, another area we're going to cover today is H-1B employees changing employers. This is also known as portability or H-1B transfer um, employees. This is addressed on page 17 in the handbook. And the handbook restores the ability to port or transfer and start working immediately for an employee in valid H-1B status who changes to a new employer upon filing um, an H-1B petition with immigration. The prior version of the handbook required that the porting H-1B employee obtain a Form I-797 receipt notice prior to starting employment. One of the benefits that we are all aware of um, concerning H-1B portability is that the employee has the opportunity of starting right away. So it's good to see that uh, USCIS finally got this right as it applies um, to Form I-9. Further guidance states that the H-1B employees form I-94 arrival departure card issued for employment with the previous employer with their foreign passport would qualify as a list A document. So you should write AC21 and record the date you submitted the I-129 petition to immigration in the margin of the I-9 form next to Section 2. Page 18 in the handbook also states that you should retain the following documents with the Form I-9 to show that you filed for an extension of stay. The first document is a copy of the new Form I-129. Second is proof of payment for filing the new Form I-129. And the third is evidence that the I-129 petition was mailed to immigration. No further guidance has been provided on when or if to re-verify the H-1B petition after it's approved. Um, approval notices are indeed issued for H-1B classification based on very specific uh, periods of, of, of time. And so uh, Immigration Solutions does recommend that you do tickler that and call that up in advance of the expiration date of the H-1B and uh, re-verify that with your employee. Um, let's see, another area that we're going to um, mention here today is extensions of status. 
um, guidance states that an employee, and this is on page, pages 17 and 18, guidance states that an employee with a petition for extension of status timely filed before work authorization expires are eligible for continued employment for up to 240 days beyond the expiration date of the authorization, as long as the, the extension remains pending. So details are, are provided for how to complete the I-9 and the documentation to be attached for several non-immigrant visa classifications, such as E-visas, H-visas, L's, O's, P's, Q, R, and TN, NAFTA uh, classifications, uh, who have timely filed extensions with the same employer. The H-1B extensions, the employer should write 240-day extension and record the date the employer submitted the I-129 petition to immigration in the margin, again, of the I-9 form next to Section 2. Further guidance is provided as to what documentation should now be attached to the I-9 form as follows, which would be a copy of the I-129 petition that was filed, proof of payment, evidence that the new I-129 petition was mailed, very much like we just mentioned above, and after the extension is filed, USCIS will issue a receipt notice, which should also then be added and retained with Form I-9. We would like to mention at this time that we have um, a volume of information on our blog concerning this and various other topics um, um, relative to U.S. and Canadian immigration. You can find that by going to www.immigrationsolution.net. We also on our website have uh, archives of um, our past uh, newsletters, news flashes, podcasts, and articles. And our I-9 uh, employer uh, resource center, which is full of excellent information, uh, can be accessed at www.i-9audits.com. For those of you who are not familiar with our office, we provide U.S. and Canadian immigration services to employers and individuals and additionally provide I-9 employment eligibility compliance services. For those businesses that are seeking I-9 audits, we perform them on-site and off-site, partial and full audits. Uh, we also assist with uh, I-9 staff training. We will also train uh, our clients as to how to perform self-audits if they're interested in doing so. And we uh, consult uh, regarding policies and procedures that we feel um, our clients should uh, document, and we assist them in developing those. So I want to thank you today for listening in. We hope that you find these podcasts informational. If you would like to discuss anything further with us or have any questions, you can reach us in Long Beach, California at area code 5562-612-3996. That's area code 562-612-3996. Thank you and have a great day. Bye-bye.